Welcome to the Mike Signorelli Podcast. It's good to have you. Over the next 30 minutes, I'm going to do my best to answer the questions that you're actually asking. Before we jump in, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. Come on, let's get started. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is the Mike Signorelli Podcast, and I have a very special guest today. You're going to want to stick with us through this whole thing because I just said moments ago it's going to be all killer, no filler, um, and I, I really do think it's going to be a special episode. I've got a guest. He's a good friend of mine. Actually, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The reason why this podcast has been resurrected, uh, his name is Gabriel Pagan. Did I say it right? <laughs> so welcome. Wanted to make sure I nailed that intro. <laughs> um, but let's so let's kind of give him at least two minutes on how this relationship even happened. So I don't even know that I know the full story. All I know is somehow or another we got connected on social, and then it just turned into this 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 thing. Yeah. So I think somehow, way, shape, or form, I found you on Instagram because V1 is literally everywhere on Instagram, which is a good thing. But um, I'm friends with a person on Facebook who had heard my testimony, and he had shared another video, and I was like, I love this dude. And then you had so ever kindly said, I love you too. And I was just like, oh my God, this is unreal. This dude is super kind. Um, so I just started following a lot of your podcasts and messages. I got the V1 app because, of course, I'm an app junkie. And ever since then, I have decided to be the most uh, ridiculous person on your Instagram feed and just make a bunch of church humor jokes and send you random memes. And the Lord just kind of opened up a relationship that way where I got to um, talk to you more and it's been lit ever since. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad that you mentioned the, the memes and everything because I actually was going through a crazy dark time and it was weird because you kind of went, I guess you just fell right into my DMs right at the moment. I needed it the most and you really encouraged me, which was, <laughs> which was so crazy. <laughs> I was like, Lord, what do you want me to say to encourage this dude? I just, I don't know. I love prophesying over people. So any moment I get where I'm like, I feel like they need encouragement. I just kind of hop on it. Yeah, and, and this whole charisma thing, what's cool about it is, so you shared, so okay, backstory. I had made the Mike Signorelli podcast, not because I was trying to get Insta famous or any of that stupid influencer stuff. I actually had a launch team um, from V1 Church that I, they were just new Christians. And so I was like, man, I'm just gonna make episodes on my phone and send them out so they can access them and they can grow in their walk with Christ. So there was no agenda and you could tell because the quality is terrible or whatever. And you shared an episode and then somebody else saw it. And then before you know it, I'm on the phone with Charisma Media talking about an opportunity to kind of get a bigger audience. And it was just so funny because the, the spiritual implication of it is I, I took two years and went all in on V1's podcast and I raised up like seven, eight, nine other preachers and communicators and I was like, it's not a one-man show. I got to activate the gifts in other people and I got so in that direction and right at the height of it, then this crazy door opened to bring back this podcast but in a new way and you were a part of that. So you just can't make this kind of stuff up, you know? It's been really cool. It's been really cool. 
So, okay, I had called you and, and basically said, listen, like, you know, I'm putting the show together and I would love you to be a part of it. And I said, do you have any idea of something that you would bring? And just in the few minutes that you started, like, just kind of giving me what you had felt like the Holy Spirit was leading you to share. I was already like, this is going to be one of the best episodes, like hands down. So I just want to give you an opportunity, like to share a little bit about, about your story, you know, like, and I think that that's part of this is like, you shared this podcast when it was in this barbaric form. And then now here we go, like high tech and, you know, new episodes. And I want to like, kind of like give you that audience back. So tell, I mean, for those people who are listening, who have no idea who you are, have no idea what your story is like, basically just give us a few minutes and then let's just get in it. Yeah. So he introduced me, but my name is Gabriel Pagan. I live in Columbus, Georgia. Um, grew up in church, but I didn't really connect with God. Um, around a young age, I was exposed to a lot of um, sexual activity, introduced to pornography at a very young age. So from that time on, I had a compulsive masturbation addiction. I was addicted to pornography. And by the time that I was in high school, I was acting out specific porn genres and learning about sexuality from the world. And that brought me to a place where I was suicidal. I hated my life. I wanted to kill myself. I was in a metal band. I wrote songs about it. On the outside, you would have never thought like, I think the dude may or may not be gay, but on the inside, I was very broken and longing for the connection with the father and brothers and guys who wouldn't make, who made me feel like I was enough as a man. And in 2012, I, um, made a dear diary Facebook status because when you're, you know, growing up and you're, I was around high school age. So I just put my entire business out on Facebook and I just said, you know, I knew I had influence um, in the music scene that I was in. And I wanted to use that to encourage people to be themselves, to find their true you or their truth and not let anybody judge you. And when I posted that on Facebook, this guy reached out to me and said, Hey, I believe the spirit of Jesus put this motivation in you and he's using it to draw you to himself. Now at this point I was a full blown sex addict. I was listening. I was into the occult imagery. I love dark stuff. I hated people. I was like, AFI was my favorite band. So I have like love your hate tattooed on my chest. Like I was, I was misanthropy. Like I was all involved with anything that was like shutting people out and being like a dark hermit crab. And at this point, I was just like wanting people to accept me. I was so love hungry that I was like, yeah, let's talk about it. And that day I encountered the presence of the Holy Spirit. The fire of God fell on me in my driveway in the most unemotional prayer. I just said, God, if you still want me, please like save me. Because he was like, dude, I'm telling you, God is wanting you. From there, my whole bubble and worldview of church flipped upside down. I started having a lot of uh, moments with the Holy Spirit. I had um, three distinct visions. Um, one of them being Jesus showing me my um, my daughter in heaven. I dated this girl as a cover-up, and she got pregnant and had an abortion, and she didn't tell me. And so the Lord was meeting me, not one because I was just going to church, because when I started going to church and after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, um, it was like all hell broke loose. 
And to wrap it up, everything inside me that I experienced and that I just couldn't handle trauma, wounds, experiences, rejection, people making fun of you for, you know, you were just this metalhead and now you're following Christ. Like, what's that about? All this stuff was in my mind and I would binge on pornography. I'd drink myself till I blacked out and God would still meet me and say, no, I'm real. You can trust that I'm reaching out to you. And he set me free from a lifestyle of homosexuality. So I'm walking out now seven years free from, um, same-sex attractions, not bound to that. I never prayed the gay away, um, never forced myself to be straight. That wasn't a focus. I just fell in love with the presence of Jesus. And now I am preparing to get married to my girlfriend, which is pretty cool. Mm, congratulations. Man, I've been watching that story unfold, and it's just so incredible. And, I, you know, first of all, your vulnerability is refreshing. You know, your transparency is refreshing. I've, that's something I love. I absolutely love about you is just how vulnerable and transparent you're willing to be in hopes that somebody else can hear your story. And I think we're in this time, and, and maybe you could speak to this, but we're in this era where it's like it's okay to believe whatever you believe as long as you don't believe something that's different than what someone else believes that's super opinion opinionated about it and it's funny because it's like we want to give people this lateral movement to own their story to own their narrative to own their feelings unless those feelings are countercultural in this era and i i mean i know you've got something burning inside of you because what you just dropped is one of the most scandalous messages one of the most scandalous stories that you can drop in 2019 right now so what do you say to that person who just says like man it's you know your story isn't possible it doesn't make sense it's not you know right you know because i you know i live in new york city and that if if you said what you just said on a megaphone on a street corner in new york city the the reaction to that would be absolutely insane because of the cultural climate so what would you say in response to that if someone said my story was fake or like, and if, yeah, they say, you know what? It's not possible. It's fake. I mean, because that's the world in which we live where it's possible to migrate from one thing to another, but they don't believe that it's possible to go. There's directions you can't, in their philosophical worldview, there's a direction you simply cannot go. You know what I mean? And so for you to say like, no, I did. And it happened. How do you respond to those voices? I mean, it's pretty much like an everyday thing or, um, it's just something we experience. Like specifically for my story, you know, coming out of an LGBTQ lifestyle, like we scream for equality and acceptance. Um, and part of the spectrum is people who are queer or questioning. So my story is for those who may have identified that way, but they're questioning as to why they're not satisfied. To say that it's not possible or it's not true cuts away part of the spectrum itself. So if people tell me that it's not possible, I, I just say, you're assuming, you know, like you, you really can't force your narrative onto my life because that's like, if someone made you feel like you had to be straight, you had to do this and you couldn't do it, it would provoke the same animosity in you. I'm not trying to provoke um, some sense of, all right, you have to change right now. I'm just saying through following Jesus, a new life is what he promised, and it's possible through his death, burial, and resurrection. And um, when people get mad at me and say that, I mean, they're treating it like th this is some scientific law. We have people who are in their 40s, 50s, 
have whole families and just decide that they want to be girls and leave their family. Every, the whole chemistry and connection in the family changes. But why is it that nothing got challenged or his experience didn't get challenged as much? It's celebrated. But if someone's in a lifestyle and wanting to be this way and they feel like they want to change, it's not equally as celebrated. It kind of centers and it feels somewhat like a gang mentality. I'm not forcing somebody to accept my beliefs. I'm sharing my beliefs because we live in a land where we're allowed to share different ideals. And as long as we're not jerks about it, you know, I'm not going around punching gay people or, you know, purposely misgendering trans people. I'm just sharing what my faith offers people. And that's a new life and freedom in Christ. And um, when people do that, I think for the most part, it just shows that there's such a need for security, identity, and truth. And if the first thing that you do is volatile and freak out, then you don't know who you are. And so how can I, in relationship, love you um, enough to say, hey, like, I don't hate you. I can still talk to you. I can help you with your groceries. Like, I just disagree with your life choice. And I'm willing to lay down my life to show you that this isn't changing, but I can love you as a human being. And um, I think I let most of it just roll off my back. I know for some people, um, it's a lot of parroted information. You know, we have like clickbait and news and, you know, local church does this or whatever. And it's like, there's not some general consensus that we can all can pull from as a society. We're not like, okay, so at this age, this is perfectly normal. And all of America knows this. A lot of this is very trendy. And I'm not using that word to make people feel like they're just being popular or whatever, but a lot of it is a big widespread trend and there's not a lot of factual evidence that we as a whole collective of people can pull from to say, okay, well, I guess this is a thing. It's been such an epidemic for people experiencing this that it's like, if you're not immediately affirming, then you're not an ally. But being an ally doesn't mean total agreement. You're just, you just disagree with the choice, but you love the human being. You know what I mean? So I try to break narratives as much as possible and challenge people to think because as much as they want me to be open-minded, I can do so and I can reason in a peaceful, positive way, not excluding and being a jerk about it. So, yeah, man, that's, you know, I, I love talking to you because God has given you such, I'm going to say it's God given, you know, you have such a tremendous amount of wisdom and you're such, to me, you're such a unique person because you're like one of the funniest people I've ever met. But then when you flip, when you flip the script, you know, and then you go into like, like intellectual mode, I'm like, this guy just wrote a dissertation right now. But you know, I, and I think you there, it, we do live in this era where it's like, I'll be honest with you. Um, um, you know, I produce a lot of content for social media. V1 Church does. And I've told this to people, hateful, mean stuff goes further faster. Like if you, if I wanted to blow up my social media accounts, I literally could just start railing against the church and how everything the church does is wrong because that mentality, it just, it just goes further faster in, in today's day and age. And I've seen people take that bait. And it was just, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it was very comforting hearing you talk for those moments and saying let's cut through all the noise and just like accept the fact that there isn't this you know this base of knowledge that we're all collectively pulling from and diagnosing it's just much there is a lot of uh parroting information and that's a very dangerous thing you know it's funny too because um what's that 
Yeah, absolutely. Abomination, but so is gossip. So is lying. So is these other things identified in scripture. So what's, what's happening as far as like the spiritual warfare in sight, or at least what I see in the spirit is we see something that's happening in culture and the word interprets uh, the world interprets that as the church just hates gay people. And they're always talking about this, but they don't ever talk about, you know, straight people who sleep together before they get married. But we haven't as much as we have seen that in society today, the hot topic is LGBTQ issues. It's everywhere. And so the enemy wants people to feel like the church is putting the finger on it when they're addressing something that's happening in society when the church does need to own the responsibility of accountability and saying, hey, this is the area on our side of the street that we need to clean too. If we're going to be a healthy voice, we need to make sure that we're doing our due diligence to be image bearers of Christ as well. Yeah, now let's talk about that because, you know, me and you were talking, okay, so one of the values that I have for my own life is extreme accountability. And I didn't always have that value. Actually, I was a touring musician as well. So hearing you come from the metal scene, I was totally from the metal scene. And I mean, God is still, God is still using us to do some hardcore breakdowns. It's just a different kind now. Dad jokes, I got dad jokes, but um, but you know, hardcore accountability is something that when I look at the church and the book of Acts moving forward, the early church, anytime somebody was surrendered to accountability, they thrived. And then anytime someone went rogue and did their own thing with their, with the wrong motive, I mean, God just had a way of completely dissolving it. And so like the era in my life before V1 was launched was an era of like surrendering myself to extreme accountability because you're right, like LGBTQ issues issues are like out in the forefront. They're out open, you know, but it's like, what about the stuff behind the scenes that, and for me, I'll be honest with you, dude, like I've gotten to this other side. I'm the lead pastor now and I have people come to me in confidence. And, um, if I were to blog about their struggles, people would forget the LGBTQ issue for a second. You know what I'm saying? Like they would, they would, because there's so much going on behind the scenes with people who are on church payroll, you know? And so what's your experience been? Cause when, you know, for you to get vulnerable and transparent, like you did, all that's going to do is provoke transparency from other people. Cause that's my story. I mean, my whole past is available on podcasts every week I preach, you know, so I don't have anything to hide, but, but that produces these conditions where people come to me with the stuff they're currently in. So what's your experience of vulnerability been like, and how's that created some, some conversations? For me, I experienced uh, a lot of different dynamics. So me being vulnerable opens, like, you know, there's a lot, so this is good. <laughs> um, I have a lot of people ask me, like, very vulnerable questions. People were asking me if I was sexually attracted to women and all this stuff. And, da, 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 da. and I'm not afraid of those questions because – the more transparent I can be about my deliverance, the more um, free other people can get. So service level talks bring service level deliverance. So if I'm, if I'm afraid to talk about real stuff, then I really don't have anything to say. I'm just sharing like emotional things that give pseudo hope. And then you kind of white knuckle it without knowing how to rely on the Holy Spirit in pain. So for me sharing what pain looks like, you know, I deal with an anxiety disorder. Um, I have, um, I take medicine for it. Like, um, I've come out of a crazy sex addiction 
when I'm sharing with people, I share from like what I know, what I've experienced, what my friends have confessed to me, what people who don't know, people who are struggling with homosexuality have confessed to me about how they're addicted, how they hate going back to this stuff. So that's kind of like the information I'm pulling from. And that can't be a blanket statement because not everyone in the LGBTQ community is a sex addict. They're not all drug addicts. They weren't all abused. But if there is a majority, I'm shooting for the majority of people who have been through what I've been through. My influence is for people to see that if you have any familiarity, this is a way to, you know, to connect with God and find peace through Jesus. Like, if you feel like any of this, like you don't need to loom around in guilt and shame, um, as well as, you know, I've experienced people who were employed by churches that, um, you know, when Jesus moved, he didn't like search for demons. Demons came to the anointing. So when you're coming with a message of freedom, some people um, against their best wishes and intent, and, you know, there are some wolves but um, have sexualized that and would build a relationship only to flirt later and say, you know, this or that. And that shows that the message of the gospel is not only for those who are outside the church, but inside the church. It's our continual hope. And so transparency for me shows people that the gospel message is not for when I get saved and everything goes away because suffering is a part of our life. Denying ourselves is a part of our life. So whatever it is, gay, straight, trans, um, anger, lying, fear, insecurity. Every single day we need the hope of the gospel and knowing that the resurrection of Jesus is our portion. So when I'm transparent, I'll let you know that, sure, I might not be struggling with homosexuality right now, but I definitely have anger issues. And you need to see that leaders struggle with this so that you don't put us on a pedestal, that you see that God can speak through us and minister and confirm something for you, but also that you don't base your trust in man. It says in Jeremiah, whoever puts their trust in man, his heart departs from the Lord. So these expectations of, you know, the church let me down. Well, I want to challenge if anyone's listening, put your hope back in Jesus. Allow people to be transparent and see that they're not perfect. Having a lot of influence is dangerous. It's, it's scary to see people are looking to you for every little word and thing that you say. But if I'm going to be in a spotlight, I'm going to be 100% real and let you know I am not put together. But the Holy Spirit is very free. He knows how to bring things together. He knows how to mend relationships. He knows how to heal things. And that's been my saving grace. That's why seven years in, I am not backing down. I am more fired up than I've ever been because he has been more real than it was when I started. So. Yeah. Man, that's my journey. You, I mean, I'm telling you, we're about to break out in a full-blown church right now. If you keep, <laughs> you know, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus, because ultimately, like, he's the one that we're all following. And, you know, I, I vibe with a lot of what you're saying, because... I've, I've been on my journey at different points. You know, we old school Christians used to say we're saved, but not sanctified, you know, however you say that. But I mean, I remember, you know, literally being on a church staff and t having to tell my pastor, like, and my wife sitting in the room crying, saying, you know, Mike is currently an alcoholic, like on staff. Yes. Preaching it down. Yes. Leading other people to Christ, but struggling with alcohol. And I'm and my wife saying to my pastor, hey, I wake up early in the morning to clear all the beer cans out of the church van. 
Like at that level, you know? So it's like, and it's funny because we've been reading through the book of Galatians and Paul is telling the churches in Galatia, hey, don't turn back. You know, I came here, I told you the truth, you got free, but don't turn back. And there, it is possible to, to turn back. And one of the value systems of the early church was suffering, self-denial. Now one of our core values is success. But if we started defining success by suffering, then we would align ourselves with the kingdom. And I think that you're bringing, see, people are looking at you like you're saying something new. And I don't think that they realize that you're actually so old school. It's 2000 years old. Like you're saying, oh, you know, we don't, my feeling doesn't determine if something feels good, doesn't determine whether it's wrong or right. And I'm going to actually you accept the true gospel, which in that is self-denial and a value for suffering. And dude, that's a radical message. And for me, you know, like you said, you just kind of get these revolving levels of freedom that you go through. It happens in layers and it happens in seasons. So um, I'm just, it's refreshing to hear you talk like that. And it's especially in today's like I'm telling you one of the biggest things I struggle with as a pastor, maybe you can help me with this, is seeing people who've attended church, who've heard all the sermons, and yet that level of self-denial doesn't exist in their own walk. Like, cause, cause it's like, I can't even get a dude to demonstrate self-denial in like the most simplistic form. How were you able to like, I mean, cause the, the, what, I mean, to right now, spiritually to a certain extent, seven and a half years later in, you're like hanging on a proverbial cross. You know what I mean? Like you are literally like being publicly crucified to your own desire every single day, no matter what that is. Like how, where did you find the power? How did you gain access to do that? Cause it's so easy to say it, but how do you do that? I think there's like little entrance points that I want to make to answering that. So I think today's society, people are, when they get saved, you know, I love power evangelism. I love what God's doing in the charismatic movement and people getting understanding that like, if you seek God with your whole heart, he's not just going to be stuck in the Bible. Like he will make that thing pop alive and then also do it in front of you for it's like, well, this is bigger than me and more real than me. So I can fully give my heart to this thing. But when I first got saved, everything that happened to me was, God says you're going to go to stadiums. God says you're going to change the world. You're going to champion the nation. And so I got so much prophetic hope that I didn't even know how to steward it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to champion the nations. I'm not fixing to get a job. Bye. And the Lord literally told me early on, people were like, God, show me you're going to travel with this famous minister and this person and you're going to do this. Um, and the Lord, you know, thank God for intimacy. My pastor raised me in understanding how to connect with the voice of God because that was my very sanity. Um, the, the Lord told me in an encounter, I was just, you know, praying through and the Lord said, I don't want you to travel because if you did, you would spiritually, mentally, and physically break. And the problem is, is we can't market people for influence. We can't use their stories or their pain and promise them influence as a way to escape reality. And a lot of people are being sold into prosperity without understanding that like their life is being brought into the kingdom. Like you can, you can promise that God will provide for you, but also promise that God will meet them in their pain and that their pain isn't a sign that they're doing something wrong. 
And so for the next three years after Lord told me that, it was right when I got diagnosed with OCD, and it was the hardest season of my life. I had intrusive thoughts about suicide, fear of committing it. I couldn't even be at work without having a panic attack, crying. I worked at Starbucks, so I'd be like, and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, what are you getting today? Like, you know, just like ready to shut down straight face. But, you know, people would be like, well, you just got to trust in God. You just got to, and it's like, we have to understand that like denial of pain is not faith. You know, Paul said to one of, in one of the letters, my, my eyes and my sickness was a trial for you. Like sometimes we really, things are more birthed when we walk through brokenness than when we have everything given to us. You have to learn how to fight. You have to learn how to hustle. You don't have to lose these things when you get into the kingdom. You, you apply them to seeking God. Um, and so when people don't know how to deny themselves, it's, majority of the time they don't know how to escape their pain and trust God with it. They don't know how to trust him with what hurts the most without seeking his best, um, independent of that. Um, so what does that mean? And I want to make sure I clarify that we're taught how to go after God's best outside of learning how to give him what's damaging us and hurting the most and knowing that he's the anchor for our soul, not the success, not what could come out of it, not what he can do in our family, like, you know, Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. Like, if you encounter the reality of his love and you allow him to be Lord of your life, and it's easy to surrender to that once you experience the reality of his love. Not just some pseudo feeling, but when you seek God for who he is and he makes himself real to you, which is a promise that he gives to everyone, um, when you experience that kind of grace, it is transforming enough to choose to be set apart, to choose to do things a different way. So when people who um, have a hard time suffering or choosing to be self-denial, I, I would say let's foster an atmosphere where you actually get to experience the real Jesus, where you experience his presence, where you see why he is the desire of the nations. You just binge this morning and you don't want to say anything about it. Have somebody who has no situation or no idea prophesy to you the secrets of your heart and show you that he's not shaming you but he's inviting you out of your paralytic mat into relationship. And not only this, but as you grow in life, things will happen. Life will punch you in the face, but he is still just as real to care about every season. And your voice and what you have to say is not more important than your hurting heart. He's a father. So he wants to restore everything in your life. Yeah, that's so good. And you brought so much clarity for people who struggle with this Christianity that actually looks more like paganism. And people don't understand, but like the definition of paganism is there's a deity that you're separate from. And if you offer up, you know, you, you know, basic necessities and things to this deity, they will offer them up in response. That is paganism. And a lot of times we, we forget like how scandalous grace really is and how that Jesus satiated any sacrifice you could ever hope to make. But, and yet we spend so much time in this interaction with God that truly looks like paganism. And I think that that's something that like what you're bringing a realignment to in the kingdom is understanding like, listen, when I was in the midst of it, God relentlessly pursued me and continued to pursue me over and over again. I mean, your story is God going after you. So if, if, if the equation of paganism is you make an offering to the God and then the God blesses your life, well, what was happening is that the God of the universe kept coming to you when you offered him nothing. 
And that is the gospel story is like, and while we were yet sinners, when we could not offer anything to the God of the universe, he relentlessly pursued us. And so I just want to end it on that. I mean, honestly, I could talk to you all day, um, but we're out of time for today. I'm truly believing that this is just round one. And so if you guys who are listening, if this stirred something inside of you, if you want to hear more of this, come on and put a demand on my, my guy in Georgia. <laughs> um, but I, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm just believing that this was our opportunity to um, maybe put our foot in a door that was cracked open. You know, somebody who has a curiosity, somebody who's wrestling with something. You know, you listen to Gabriel's story about coming from the metal scene. I mean, me, my story coming out of atheism and, and coming from intellectualism and coming from the philosophies of, of and science and that realm. I mean, I guess if anything, my hope is that this podcast, it, it, it stirs your holy curiosity because, you know, in that mystery and that God will draw you deeper as well, you know, and that, that's how it happened to me. So, um, here's what I want you guys to do for everyone who's listening, subscribe to this podcast, share it with a friend. I want to hear you guys in the comments. I want to hear what you have to say. I feel like this one probably stirred up more questions than anything. Um, but I also feel that God satiated and answered some questions that some of you have had for a long time. So this might be one of those episodes that you just hit rewind and go back on a couple of times, but I love you guys so much and I'll see you next episode. If this episode helped you in any way, visit MikeSignorelli.com and sign up to receive encouragement and resources directly to your inbox. I'll see you over there and I'll see you next episode.